Yes, John 3.16. John 3.16. In fact, let me go ahead and read that one more time just so that we can cement that, at least this version, in our hearts and minds. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I want to preach from the topic, real life, real life. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you so much for this tremendous opportunity to to share in your word. And Father, again, we pray that you would free our minds from anything that would hinder the word going forth, technology, personality, anything. Permit us to be on one accord, even virtually. So I pray that the audio stream is clear. I pray that greaterdallas.onlinechurch is clear. YouTube, Facebook, clear. And I pray that your word will go forth with power and authority. Father, this message is specific. And I pray that it would hit those it needs to hit. Minister by your power, for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Real, real life. As you can see, GBBC, we're trying to to pivot, and uh, we discovered some things with my height and the big podium and all that goes along with that, so we wanted to pivot and make sure that you can actually see me. Amen, somebody. And so we're, we're doing things a little different as we will continue in the days, weeks, and months to come. Here's the big idea for today's message. Want to hear it? Here to go. Jesus came to give us life eternal. Jesus came to give us life eternal. For the next several weeks, we will be dealing with this theme of live. When you see the artwork, it's not live, it's live. And we'll be showing through the scriptures how Jesus came to earth so that we might have life, so that we might live. A young woman, um, she had been abused and neglected. She had been mistreated. As a matter of fact, her entire young adult life was abuse after abuse, taken advantage of. So much so that she said about herself that she had no regard for no one else. Something had happened on the inside as a result of the abuse on the outside. Here is how she describes herself. She says, her blood was black. Her heart was black. But one day, under the sovereignty and providence of God, she made her way to a small gathering of believers. And someone in that gathering told her about Jesus and how Jesus' love for her compelled him to die for her. She had never heard of this sort of love before. She had never heard of someone loving so much that they willingly, voluntarily died for others. Hearing of the love of Christ, it it literally broke the concrete of her heart. And as a result, it set her on the path to a relationship with Christ 
to experiencing the forgiveness of Christ, being redeemed and restored by Christ. Watch this. No more bitterness towards those who had previously mistreated her. Now her life finally had meaning. Peace, purpose, watch this, clarity. Beloved, she now lived to demonstrate God's love in a practical way. From that that moment forward, she testified to what it felt like to finally live. From pain to peace, from wandering to purpose, from darkness to light. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, Jesus. Is that your testimony? Mm. For those who have made the decision to receive the grace gift of salvation, is that your testimony? No, we're not suggesting that everything is the way we want it, but there is a peace that we all can profess and claim. There is a sense of freedom that we now walk in. Whereas our hearts may have been blackened, our blood may have been blackened by the pain of life, a meaningful encounter with Christ has now given us real life. And so that's why we're in this this series for this season. And that's why we've made our way to John 3.16 in this singular verse. We discover first and foremost how we can be transferred. Somebody say transferred. Oh, come on. If you can't, just say transferred. How, how we can be transferred from death to life. How we can be transferred from darkness to light. How one whose heart and blood are black can be transformed to one who is compassionate, forgiving, purpose-driven. John 3.16 is one of the most quoted verses in all of the Bible. And in this one verse, beloved, we see the entire gospel story, the good news. In it, we see the the Creator's love for all of His creation, the whole world, as the video said, along with His willingness to sacrifice His one and only to create a path towards kingdom and a path away from perishing. Oh, God. That's real life. Now, I can't effectively deal with John 3.16 without framing the context of John chapter 3. Are you with me so far? Come on, type amen in the comment section. I see what you're typing. Come on, holler at your boy. See, in in John chapter 3, Jesus has been approached by a Pharisee, Nicodemus, uh, meaning a ruler of the Jews. and, And Nicodemus approaches Jesus at night. Now, while John the writer doesn't clarify why Nick came at night, it appears that he came at night so that he could have uninterrupted time to speak with Jesus. So as we open up John chapter 3, Nick acknowledges that there is something special about Jesus Christ with all of his miracles and stuff, but, but Nick falls short of fully understanding 
who he is talking to. Are you trekking with me so far? So since he doesn't fully understand who he is talking to, Jesus needs him to know he'll have an even more difficult time understanding how Jesus does what he does and what his overall objectives are. Understand this right now. It is impossible to understand kingdom when you are tethered to religion. Oh, God, I'm preaching to myself. Let me say that one more time. It is impossible to understand kingdom when you are tethered to religion. Jesus says in verse 3, you can't see me or my purpose unless, watch this, you are born again, unless you are born from above. Jesus is suggesting your comprehension will not even begin to embrace who I am until you've made that first decision. And that very principle is captured in the totality of John 3.16. See, to be born again or born from above is when a redeeming exchange takes place. And this exchange takes place in the hearts of those who respond to the Father's gift. Y'all, I told you, this message is specific. And I need you to hear me. Those who respond to the Father's gift. Corinthians says, the old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. Ephesians says, it's a grace gift that we simply respond to in faith, in belief. Look at verse 16 again. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Watch this, beloved. We're all on the path of the perishing. Stay with me. Stay with me. We're all on the path of the perishing. That's our first point. I'm going to say it a third time. Make sure you get it. We're all on the path of the perishing. This principle is the why to the Father's gift. It's the why to our hearts and blood being black. Here it is. We are perishing. We are perishing. Hmm. I've discovered this in my own experience. You can look good. And still be perishing. Oh, God, I'm preaching to myself up in here. You, you, you can look fantastic and still be perishing. You can have all of the trappings that the world say that you ought to have. You can have all of the financial uh, 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 wealth that you can muster up, all of the houses and, and the cars and the clothes and, and the condos and, and the cottages in the country. But watch this. You can still be perishing. I need a witness up in here. Oh, God, perishing. It cuts to the core of our existence. So I really don't care how you look. What I really care about as you listen to this message is what's happening on the inside. Ephesians 2nd chapter, verse 1, 
describes us as this. It says, you were dead. <laughs> and y'all, here, here is the part that, that's the ultimate tragedy in everything that I'm preaching. Y'all, this, this doesn't get preached too often because it makes folk uncomfortable. But as we approach resurrection season, I want to make sure that you hear this message. Some that are on the path of the perishing, which is we described as dead will remain on that path and ultimately experience separation. And what that means is to be in a place, watch this, where God has withdrawn his presence. Now, this is what sin does. Sin takes us, ensnares us, and prevents us from seeing ourselves so that we can make a decision to transform our very lives. Sin blinds us. It blinds us to, to the possibility. Uh, not long after uh, this wealthy contractor had finished building the Tombs prison in New York, watch this, he was found guilty of forgery and some other uh, illegal activity. And as a result of his activity, he he found himself facing years in prison, the prison he had built. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. So as he was being escorted into his cell, the one that he had made, the contractor says this, I never dreamed when I built this prison that I would be an inmate. I, I never dreamed. As I, as I drew the plans and, and made all of this up, that, that one day I would be a prisoner in my own jail. Beloved, we're all on the path of the perishing. It's in our nature. We were born into it. That is why the resurrection season and this preaching series is so crucial. We must engage those in our lives, those in our circle, those to whom we profess to love with the message of live. Somebody say live. It is a, a message to receive the exchange that has been made available. Just because you're headed down this path doesn't mean you have to stay on the path. And I can testify I was on the path for real. I was there, and then the Lord got my attention. So we're all on the path of the perishings. First point, understand a couple of things about being on this path. Number one, we inherited it. We inherited it. Romans 3.23 says, listen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. I think that's Romans 6.23. And so here is, here is the bigger picture. We inherited, watch this our perishing nature. We were born into it. And as I love to say, listen, it ain't your fault, but it is your problem. 
And so as a result of being a a, a part of the Adamic nature, Adam passed it down to you. You were born into it. You got to know you inherited it. But here is the even greater principle connected to this. Christ overcame it. Oh, I feel a witness up in here. Romans 5 and 8 said God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were on the path of the perishing, Christ died. Jesus died. His death overcame the fact that you were headed to the wrong place. So while, while being on this path to the perishing with no hope or help in our own, God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, takes action. Here's the second movement. Here's the second movement. Not only we're on the path of the perishing, second movement. God's Son saves people from perishing. Oh, please get that down, beloved. This is a word. This is a word for somebody. This is, this is for your distant relative or your close relative. This is for your spouse. This is for your cousin. Them. This is for your grandchildren. You need to let them know that we're all on the path of the perishing, but then let them know, secondly, God's Son saves people from perishing. In this passage, God, motivated by his love for his creation, gives us a path out of perishing, which is Jesus Christ, his son. And in verses 14 and 15, in Jesus' own words, it affirms that, that he has to endure, watch this, a sacrificial death in order for this path to be laid towards real life. When I came to the faith, I had to accept the fact that there is no living without first there being some dying. Oh, God. Y'all, this is, this is God's economy. Just as there is no reaping without sowing, there is no living without dying. But watch this. The only one whose death was qualified to meet the standard, the only one whose death could pay the price for redemption's requirement, the only one was the one and only, the monogenes, Jesus Christ, who, who in his own willingness chose to die. Oh, Philippians chapter 2 says it this way, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God, I'm getting excited by myself. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do I have a witness up in here? Can you testify that Jesus did it for me? Ah, Jesus, God's son, according to the text, has to be lifted up, up on the cross in order for us to believe in his finished work on the cross. Let me say that one more time. Jesus, 
God's son, has to be lifted up on the cross in order for us to believe in his finished work on the cross. See, our belief is simply a response to his actions. Stay with me, beloved. Grace saves. Our faith, our belief responds and receives. Oh, stay with me. Let me let me teach you a little while. Grace saves. Our response, watch this, is in faith. Ephesians chapter 2 helps me with this. It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. Let me say it again. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. Oh, God. And this not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That's that's a lot of word, y'all. But the overarching principle is this. Grace saves, our faith responds and receives. So in the second movement, as we're dealing with God's Son saving people from perishing, two things I want to give to you real quickly. First is this, love did it. Oh, please get that down, beloved. Love, love did it. For God, King James Version, so loved the world. Other translations said, demonstrated his love in this way. Uh, 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 Showed us what love looked like in this way. Everything that we experience in John 3.16 from God is based upon his love. His love for us is his motivating factor. So I don't want to ever hear anyone say God sends people to hell. No, he does not. His love compelled him to give all that he had in his son, his one and only, so that we would respond to that grace gift. Love did it. Secondly, Christ endured it. Christ endured it. What do you mean? Jesus endured the cross so that redemption's price could be paid. But I need for you to understand something. If I had died on the cross, nothing would have happened. Absolutely nothing would have happened. Jesus had to die. D.M. Stearns was preaching in Philadelphia. Let me, let me sip my coffee here. It's still hot, y'all. Mm. He was preaching in Philadelphia. At the close of the service, a stranger came up to him and said, I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. 
He says, I think instead of emphasizing the death of Christ, it would be far better to preach Jesus, the teacher, the example, the model. Dr. Stearns replied, hmm, if I presented Christ in that way, would you be willing to follow him? The person said, I certainly would. All right then, said Dr. Stearns. Let's take the first step. He did no sin. Now, can you claim that for yourself? The man looked confused and somewhat surprised. He says, no, I acknowledge that I do sin. So then Stearns replied to him, then your greatest need is to have a Savior, not an example. Mm, God. And beloved, that's what I need for you to understand. I need for you to receive. I need you to identify with. We don't need a Jesus that is just our homeboy. We don't need a Jesus that's our cool brother in the sky. We need the one who died on Calvary's cross for your sin and for mine, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Savior who has given us a path towards redemption. We're all on the path of the perishing. God's Son saves people from perishing. I'm finished. I'm finished. Last movement. I'm going to let you go. Here it is. Our belief accesses God's plan for our flourishing. Remember, we're talking about real life. Our belief accesses, taps into God's plan for our flourishing. Here's the scripture again. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes in him. Jesus' death saves. And beloved, that is a grace gift. His death saves. So our response in belief of Jesus' actions, stay with me, gives us access to God's plan for our saving and our flourishing. I need you to hear me carefully. This access is made available to everyone. So if you're listening to this and you've never received this gift, you've never believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ, I need you to know, my brother, my sister, this is available to everyone. Pastor Brown, you got my attention. What is it that you're saying? I need you to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe he is who he says he is. You can, you can go through the gospel of John and just begin to read. And it'll take you from, from John chapter 1 all the way through the end. And, and Jesus will communicate who he is. You got to believe that Jesus is who he is. But even in the same plane, you got to believe, watch this, that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. What scripture has said, he has done. You got to believe he is who he is and who he says he is. Believe Jesus did what scripture said he did. 
And here's the easy one. Believe his actions can perform what Scripture says they can perform. It's a lot of belief. But watch this. As you take those steps of faith, understanding will come. Growth will come. That's why I love verse 17. I'm trying not to go too too far away from verse 16, but verse 17 is right there hollering at me. Say something about me. Look at verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Y'all, there's so much condemnation out in these streets. And all I want you to do is to know that there is one who came not to condemn you, but to save you. And I need for you, by faith, to embrace that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what Scripture says he did, and that his actions have performed a tremendous blessing for your, for your life. I stand before you as one that the Lord Jesus snatched from the path of the perishing. I'm finished, but I can always remember when I was a young man, I would go with our church, uh, Mount Corinth, Mm. and we would go door to door, knocking on doors, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, no ulterior motives, just letting people know what the Lord Jesus had done for them. I was a young man, full of zeal, full of excitement. And I would always find myself at that moment with a young man or young woman. And I would be praying and prayerfully speaking with them, inviting them to receive this free gift. And many times, it was just too much for the moment. And they chose not to receive the gift. There's this fable, untrue story, which is what a fable is, but it's, it's so profound. And I'm going to try to read it as best I can as my final act. It said, the story is told of a time when Satan held a strategy session for subverting those who were very close to salvation. What shall we do, asked Satan. A daring demon in his group stood and shouted, I have it. I know what we can do. We can tell men that there is no life after death, that that they die and nothing happens. Satan's face fell as he answered, that will never work. Man is ignorant, but even atheists admit at times when they sense there is a tomorrow after death. Another demon stood and spoke. Here's the solution. Let's say there is no God or if there ever was, he is now dead. Because even if he started the universe, he's left it to us now. Satan replied again in dismay. That won't work either. Most of them know that there is a God, even though they don't seek him daily. Other ideas were presented, but none of those brought hope to Satan and his crew. Finally, as they were about to give up this this session they were in, one demon leaped in glee. He says, I have it, a sure solution. 
So all the other demons turned to hear this new plan. He says, go tell them that God is real, that the Bible is God's word, and everyone began to gasp based upon what he's saying. But then he continued. He said, and tell them that Jesus is God's son and that Jesus frees men from sin. The other demons were horror-stricken. It's like, man, what are you talking about? How, how, how are you saying this? Then he added, then tell them that this is not the best time to choose Christ. Help them to make excuses for delaying their decision. Let them know there is no hurry. They have all the time that they need. This was the plan that they embraced. But there's always more time. I'm here to let you know that tomorrow is simply not promised. This is not a fear tactic. This is reality. This is real life. And if you've never knowingly and willingly asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin, because you're on this path to perishing, you've never for one moment acknowledged and owned that I just don't, I don't have the answers. And everything that I've tried, falls miserably short. Y'all, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. There was a season where I thought I had it all figured out. And by the mercy, grace of God, someone sat me down and led me to the Lord. If you've never made this decision, that's what this sermon is all about. That's what this series is all about. The Lord desires for you to live. I've already gone through the gospel. John 3.16 laid it out. Listen, every single one of us are perishing. God's Son saves those who are perishing. And it is simply yours to believe and receive the gift that's made available. Watch this. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. You can't afford it. Yours is simply to respond and receive. I just want to pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this tremendous opportunity. In fact, we give you glory, praise, and honor. Lord, you are so good. Father, I pray for that man, woman, boy, or girl who perhaps read John 3.16 in a way they've never read it before. And Father, perhaps for the first time, they feel led, affirmed, convicted to receive the free grace gift of salvation. Whereby ushering them into real life. Father, as was most, most messages, this message is also for the believer. 
May those of us who have already received this grace gift be reminded that we've been called to live. We've been saved from death to life. So we ought to look like we are alive. We shouldn't pattern our lives after that which we have been saved from. Father, guide us all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now check it out. Don't, don't turn off just yet. If you're saying, Pastor Brown, I'm there, man. I, I want to receive this gift. 972-638-9554. Send a text message. 972-638-9554.